Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast. I'm Tara. Happy 2020, Cassidy. Woohoo! Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you too. Did you? Um, how did you spend the day? Um, I built Lego, and then oh. yeah, I built a bunch of Lego sets, and then um, but then on New Year's Eve, I was like in bed by 11:40, and then I was like. When will it be midnight when I can go to sleep? So I'm very exciting that way. Um, I didn't even try to stay. I didn't even try to stay awake. Um, but I was very excited because the you know I'm a duck, so the ducks are playing in the Rose Bowl, which my husband yes. is rewatching right now. So if you hear stuff in the background, that might be him. Uh, and then of course there was the Blazer game, which uh, we don't want to talk about too much. We're just gonna pretend that the Blazers didn't play in New York City. The day after New Year's Eve and absolutely look like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't start off with our regular tagline because for 2020, I want us to come up with a new one. So I thought for the icebreaker this week, what are your ideas for a new tagline for the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast? I have no idea. Okay, um, well, let me talk. Let me talk through it, and you yes. can give me some. <laughs> and you can give me some advice. So here's what I'm thinking. When I first started the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, um, it was we always said that it's elevating the voice of women in basketball, which I still think is a really awesome thing that I want to do. Not because I don't like, like talking to guys about basketball. I totally enjoy talking with everybody about basketball. Um, but I wanted to create an intentional place for women who love to talk about basketball. But every time I say elevate the voice of women in basketball, I just feel a little snooty. Like, I feel like, like, you know, I'm elevating, like, as if I had anything to do with making, you know, uh, making something fancier or whatever. I think it, I think it's, it, it sounds too much like being fancy. And what I really mean is I want to create a place for women to talk about basketball. So I'm trying, I'm, Okay. Playing around with other things that we can say around that idea. Oh Do you have God. any ideas? No. <laughs> oh my goodness. So on the spot. Um I'm thinking so <laughs> for twenty twenty, I think that I want to try harder to engage with our audience. Like we always, at the end of our podcast, we always say, send us an email. So yeah. I think we should say it up at the beginning of the podcast because maybe people don't go all the way to the end. Maybe they don't know how much we really, really mean it. We want to hear what people who are listening say. So one idea is we could say something like engaging women about basketball or 
listing up the voices of women in basketball. I don't know. That sounds, I'm not sure that sounds right. We could crowdsource this. I am all for crowdsourcing any and all tagline ideas. Okay. <laughs> so how about this? How about you tell people how they can get a hold of us and write us what their ideas are for the tagline, and then we can go through them next week. Okay. So there are many ways you can write us to get us to notice your excellent tagline ideas, including on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show on the Blazers Eyes podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts while you're tweeting at us. Um, and then you could also send us emails because we love them. We need your tagline ideas because we are not good at taglines. It's not our thing. It's just clearly not my skill. Um, I just keep laughing every time I think about it. So send us an email at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. Please, please, please make our 2020 dreams come true. <laughs> Very good. Okay, we yeah. put it off long enough. We have to talk about how the Blazers are doing, at least for a little while. I know I sound really negative. I really feel bad. I shouldn't. I shouldn't sound so negative about the Blazers, who we they're, absolutely love. They're positive, right? Well, it's been it's been a rough month. I mean, we haven't talked for a while, and at least one more person has come gone down since yeah. the last we talked. The Blazers, they're uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. They are currently fourteen and twenty. Scal is now injured, which just absolutely breaks my heart. We don't know the extent of his injury. We are waiting. Um, they are on a five game road trip right now on the East Coast. They dropped their first game, like we said, to the New York Knicks. That's tough. Um, with a thin bench right now, they had Moses Brown called up, but they have just switched out Moses for Jalen Horde. Probably, I guess, because they only have limited amount of time that they can have each guy come and play with the team. Mm-hmm. So now Jalen Horde has been called up from the G League. Brown has been sent back down. Horde has been playing with the Texas Legend. He's played in nine games with them. Uh, he's averaging 27.4 minutes, 18.8 points. Cassidy, how are you coping with what looks like it's going to be a long January? Oh, man. Uh, looking for the... Looking for the little wins. I think I'm, I'm watching for players to develop at this point because I think until we find a flow, that's kind of the hope that we have to take. And so I think watching Nasir Little, watching Simons, watching, you know, watching the guys from the G League in the time that they get and seeing those improvements and seeing them more comfortable. I think we've already seen Nasir a lot more comfortable since when we first saw him. And I think there's something to be said for seasons where you get to develop your young talent a lot. Um, but there's those seasons aren't always the most exciting seasons. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to talk about them right now because the Blazers haven't done anything in terms of trying to fill the empty roster spots, mm-hmm. you know, because now that uh, Rodney, there's a player exception, a disabled player exception available for Rodney Hood. They always did have one empty roster spot. And then, of course, in about six weeks, we will have the the trade deadline in front of us. So without knowing kind of what they're planning on doing for the rest of the season, it's kind of like I feel bad, like microanalyzing how, you know, Damien and CJ and Anthony Simons, Naz Little, and Moses Brown are playing. <laughs> you know, I just, 
I don't know how much value we can add to anybody who's watching the game because, like, that's obviously not the team of maybe it maybe it's the team of the future, but it's not the team of the immediate future. Yeah. So, like, worrying about how they're doing things is 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 just it's hard to know where to go with yeah. it. Um. Yeah, I think the other part of it is the league is fun to watch this year, and so I'm. I'm getting a chance to watch more other games or maybe, you know, flip between a few games and getting to get into that. And then, you know, knowing that I'm not watching for specific Blazer things, sometimes watching the other team more when I'm focusing on a Blazer game is saying, okay, well, let me watch, you know, one specific player on the other team and see how that works out for me. Um, but have any uh, other teams like stood out for you or like any games that you watched over like Christmas? Did you what did you get a chance to watch the Christmas games? Yeah, I watched a, a parts of all of them uh, in between the TV getting changed over to um, whatever kids thing was yeah. happening. So it was like a lot of like a kid show. Okay. Five minutes of this basketball game. Um, but that uh golden state game was fascinating to watch. I know. Um, so that's when I didn't really see any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it. the very end of that game and I think we, we switched over from the Grinch and, uh, it's on the TV and we're all like, I just look around and all of our faces, the whole basketball contingency of the family is just like, wait, what's the score? What's happening? And everyone keep, everyone who walked in the room was like, wait, what? And no one could explain it. No one mm-hmm. could explain what happened, but I think you can underestimate a team and then, when you underestimate certain teams, they come back to bite you. And yeah. Especially when those teams have uh, Draymond. <laughs> he can power people through things. So, yeah. Right. Um, I that that that's funny because that's the game that like when I was listening to previews because for like three solid days, like every podcast was just preview of Christmas games. Yeah. And that was the game that people were least looking forward to and everybody mm-hmm. wanted to see, you know, how the 76ers were going to match up with, what was it, Milwaukee. Um, and like all the games that were supposed to be the really big games were kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> they're sort of like not very much fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this one that people were like throwing it away were like, that ended up being a fun game. You know, it just goes to show that you just never know yeah. what's going to happen. So with the Blazers, like things don't look great right now. They don't have a great roster. They don't have a deep roster, but they do have Damian Lillard and anything can happen. So we're still going to watch mm-hmm. all the games. I just don't know how much, like I said, how much value I can bring to my own watching experience by trying to like dig down too far <laughs> into what's happening. Cause it's just like, I feel like they're just trying to get through. And I think it's going to, you know, I think it's, my guess would be it's probably going to be pretty ugly for a while while they, but I think they will figure it out. I'm not worried that they're not going to ever, that they're going to like implode or anything, but sometimes you just have to watch people go through stuff and like, yeah, you can't really do anything for them. When the majority of your team is injured, you kind of, it's going to be a rough season. I mean, injuries suck, but uh, hopefully we see less of them in 2020. For sure. Let's look back on some of the things that happened in 2019. Um, and I thought it would be fun. Like, there's a, uh, 
a whole bunch of stuff happened in 2019, and I don't want to like try to rank like what was the most important thing and what was the tenth most important thing or whatever. Um, but I would like to try rating what we think uh, the have the importance of the different things that happened in 2019. So I like chose a bunch of things that I thought were the most interesting things, not necessarily the most important, <laughs> but most interesting things that happened uh, to the Blazers in 2019. And I think we should rate them on a scale of one to five, one being like totally not important to the season at all. Like didn't have anything to do with like the actual season. And then five is like, like, so, like completely the whole season or like things that were a, a, a five or like were super important to the the season. Okay. Um, so obviously the first one is of course the run to the Western Conference Finals. I... Um, you know, totally. I I thought I found it totally unexpected. Um, I but I also felt like a lot of it was pure like luck and adrenaline. And so I, even though I feel like I should, I I can't really give it a five. Oh. Oh, I'm giving. I'm. I mean, the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I remember I was at the game where we were eliminated, and I remember looking around and realizing that nobody wanted to leave the arena. Oh. No one even wanted to leave the arena because it's just like. This was such it was such a special season. And so I think that being the end to such a special season, it has to be a five for me. I mean okay. the wave. Well, but that wave, I mean yeah, I mean that was like the first round and it, it like there were a lot of like super important moments in it. I just yeah. Okay, I'll give it like a four point five. Okay, fair enough. Because I just <laughs> I just like I said, I just think so I mean no, I don't know. I feel terrible. I'm like a terrible person, like not giving giving it a five. But I I just feel like so much of it was, like I said, like lightning in a bottle, um, as opposed to the beginning of sustained, like oh, this is how they're gonna be for a really long time. Like if they yeah. came out of that and it was like, oh my gosh, they are gonna like rule the West mm-hmm. for the next three years, then I would like say a five. But Okay, I'll go four seven five because I feel really guilty. But the other part of that is like the team that came out of nowhere on the other side of it is like Toronto, and they won it. Yeah. So sometimes lightning in a bottle, yeah, gets you a championship. Right. Right. You know what? Maybe if they'd won it, I would have given it a five. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would have given it a thirty-seven thousand if I won it. <laughs> okay, I'm writing these down. Uh, so I said four point seven five, okay. and you said five. Well, a five. Okay. Uh, the next one is a little bit different uh, tenor to it, and that was the elevator escape room episode. <laughs> so Blazers were stuck in between floors and a university where they were practicing. Um, how how would you rate that in terms of most I mean, interesting Blazer storylines? <laughs> I'm gonna be like the 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 easy easy going one here, but like that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the best storyline ever. I will still rewatch that video when I'm sad. Um I mean, I guess it's not like of the utmost importance to the season, but Evan Turner's face was everything. I got to go with like a 4.9. I won't give it a 5. I got a 4.9. How about you? I would say 
I would say it's actually really important in terms of like that was uh, Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood were both mm-hmm. new to the team. And I think even though it sounds like really corny, I think it was important for the bonding. You know, I think having gone through that together, like really did help with this uh, Western Conference final run. So I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I think it was important. Okay. I think it's important. I think anytime you get that many amazing expressions and I'm, in a video, it's an important thing. I just think the funny part was when we were in uh, Denver uh, and we were going to the game with a whole bunch of women from Women's Hoops and Talks and we got on the elevator and we looked around and we realized how many people were in the elevator and then the buzzer started to go off and we got off that elevator so, so fast. fast. We were like, we're not getting stuck on an elevator with Denver fans in Denver. Yes, this is not, not how we go down. It's not happening. <laughs> Okay, here's another one. How about the addition of Rodney Hood? Scale of one to five. How important was that to the season? To the season. I think I would go with like a, maybe I think a four, three, Mm -hmm. three, five, four. Okay. That was, it was important. It was, it was a game changer, but at the same time, I think there was already a, a good flow going at that point. But I think, the Rodney Hood edition became more important this year until the injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with a, I'll go with a four. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like, like at the time it was like, it became, like you said, it became more important. And then like the signing of him in the off season ended up was maybe a higher ranking than what you yeah. would have. So four. Okay. So I would go, I think that sounds about right. I'll go with about a four. Okay. Um, okay, and how about another addition? Uh, Ennis Cantor. <laughs> oh, Ennis Cantor. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we had that time together. I know, I am too. I think it was incredibly important. And I think it like kind of skyrocketed the lightning in the bottle effect, cause I mean, he's like gasoline in a, in a Molotov cocktail or something. Like, it's just like, He's he's just like a firepower full of energy. I'm not quite sure I understand him at all, but I'm all, it was fascinating. I'm going to go with – I think that was super important. If I'm giving the Western Conference Finals run like a five, I think I have to go with like a 4.5 for this because – 4.5 for Ennis Cantor. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me think about what would have happened if the Blazers hadn't had yeah, and we lost Ennis her. Cantor. And we also, they also didn't have Nurkic. I mean, they, I suppose they could have picked up somebody else, but I don't know who else was even out there. Um, yeah, I was at least a four. I, I'm going to go with 4.5. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one that was fun, but maybe not quite as important. That was ET gets two triple doubles. <laughs> two triple doubles. And weren't they right in a row? Yeah. They were like, ba-bam, triple-double, triple-double. And we hadn't, we hadn't seen triple-doubles in a little while, so it was, it was a fun thing to see. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily crucial for the season, but I think it was fun, and I think it gave E.T. a confidence boost kind of later on in that season that was kind of important. So I think I'd go with a 3.5. I think that's a great point that because he was important at the end there. He really did come on and he held a lot of things 
together. He, uh, that's a really great point. Cause I was going to give it like super low. I was going to say like one, but you've like totally convinced me that there was more to it than that. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say right in the middle. I'll say a 2.5. Okay. ET's yeah. triple doubles. Okay. Um, this one is a, an NBA wide one. Well, this was kind of a summer thing. Well, I guess we're talking about things that happened in 2019. So um, everyone dropping out of Team USA and Team USA <laughs> coming in seventh. So I know that's not Blazer specific, <laughs> but like in terms of just interesting storylines, like how how important do you think this was? I mean, I think Olympic basketball is important. And so... To me, it's an important storyline. Like, at what point do you decide to fix this and go celebrate with all these other nations to support you love? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand the, like, I mean, I get it. You play a really long season. It is really rough on your body. To go through more of it is really tough. But it's the Olympics. Like, who doesn't want to go to the Olympics? It was World Cup leading up to the Olympics. It's World Cup for the Olympics. And it's just, like... It disappoints me that we see players not want to do the World Cup years. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're all going to go to the Olympics. But I want to see the players who have fought for it keep fighting for it. So, I don't know. I don't think that was that important, but I liked the Van Gundy coaching. So, a little... uh, Three. (laughs) I don't know. I think it will be really interesting as everybody's trying to get into the Olympics who didn't go uh, with Team USA to to FIBA. And I think there might be potential for drama there. I don't know. I'll give it like a 2.5 because I don't think it means nothing because also they didn't call Carmelo. Well, I I know he offered to go and they said no. Well, and also like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr struggling. I mean, that's worth at least a point or two. Just, (laughs) you know, seeing Mr. Perfect and Mr. Perfect, like, you know, have a tough time. Um, I think that uh, that was worth a little bit of the worth a little bit of it. Okay, I got one more uh, interesting thing that happened in 2019. How important do you think it was? That was the ninja style headband ban. I know I, I'm going to guess you've got a, yeah. a strong opinion on ten. This. It was a ten <laughs> out of five. It is so important. How dare the league take them away from us? I do like the new ones though. Thank you, uh, whoever is making them. But um, I mean, silky now that. That was my 2019 fashion trend. That's my decades fashion trend right there. <laughs> Most How important fashion trend of the decade. How dare they? I mean, where are you ranking it? Well, I'm going to give it a one, but I totally respect your um, your feeling on it as being different from mine. <laughs> so as we wrap up uh, 2019, we're also wrapping up the decade. So how about some scale on one to five? How important are they to the franchise events of the decade? Um, and I know this one is one of your favorites. Um, <laughs> the blimp crashing. Okay. So for people who might not have remembered it, and I actually don't remember what year it was, and I think it was it was in the 14-15 season. It was the season right before Lamar. Lamarcus left in 2015, right? So it was in the it was in that season. And um, in the arena, the blimp was who was it? 
uh, one of the sponsors. Um, it was a Ford blimp. Anyway, it died in the middle of a game, and it was the most hilarious and funny thing that I've witnessed in one of the – it was – the thing about it was because it's a, a blimp, it didn't, like, go down fast, and, like, it just glo- it just flowed down really gently. And so the people who were underneath it just totally saw it coming, and so they just kind of, like, put their hands up and caught it. But then after they caught it, they had to figure out how to get it out of the arena. And that's where the best part was because they couldn't get it way back up to the top. So they had to take it out through, you know, one of the um, 200 or 300 level um, doors, I think. Um, and so they just like shoved it through and it made the best picture. Like where we were sitting, we had we got the best picture of it. And it's like. Um, I always think about it like whenever things are going poorly for the Blazers, I always just think of that picture of when the, the blimp crashed. So I might use that for like the cover photo for this episode. So in terms of how important was it to the franchise, um, I'm not certain, but as important, it was very important to the meme culture, which at that time was just growing. I mean, so, you know, I'll give it like a, I'll give it like a two and a half because we know how important memes are to the NBA and, you know, it, it helped out with that. Plus we got a new blimp. Did we ever get a new one? I think we did. I don't, isn't it different? I don't think there is a blimp anymore. Did they get one for a little while? We need to investigate this. Okay. Blimp history coming soon. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Ooh, so this is a big one. Um, I think this seems like an obvious answer, but let's see. Uh, how about the importance of drafting Damian Lillard? Five. Yeah. I mean, what more needs to be said? Uh, duh, five. Um, that can get a ten, too. That and headbands. <laughs> um, how about drafting CJ McCollum? Oh, see, that is so interesting because do I want to say, I mean, he is maybe not, he's probably not quite as important to the franchise in terms of, you know, him being the leader and being the person that everybody writes about and reads about and rallies around. But he's still incredibly important. And would Dame be who he is if he didn't have... CJ alongside him. What That's do you think? Point. I I don't think Dame would be the same player without CJ. I think the two of them have formed a bond, and I think the two of them have made each other better. Mm-hmm. So I think I th- I didn't see. I think I'll give it like a four point nine, like just yeah. under what yeah what Damian. Yeah, but it also so, got my like, friend who went to Lehigh into basketball for the first time ever. So. <gasps> was really important oh. to me. <laughs> was, was your friend there at the time that CJ was there? Or no? Uh, no, way before. Way okay. before, but yeah. So, you know, I think that's up there for me. I think... I think... Oh, in so many ways, I think the two of them share the leadership role, too. I think there there's certain levels of the leadership that Dame is super on top of, and then there's maybe the more... Some of more of the relaxed leadership that I think CJ has really strive for so i'm gonna go with a four seven four point seven i've really you know especially while the blazers have been struggling i've been just 
trying to just enjoy watching CJ play mm-hmm. because he really has some fun and tricky plays that he mm-hmm. does and like just you know the way he the way he shoots his dribbling like he's really fun to watch and if it's yeah. going to be hard for the Blazers to get wins I at least am entertained by him oh yeah but I'd be really curious to know what other people think about uh the um, importance of CJ and like yeah. how wh- where people would rank would rank that mm-hmm. yeah me too I also have to look at that draft class too but um how about the uh how about Blazers getting Nurk. Nurk fever. The 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 beginning of Nurk fever. I um okay, I think it was a super important. Uh I again, he's his I don't know if Dame is who Dame is without Nurkic. Especially we're really seeing that now. We're without um somebody to really protect Damien. And I don't know how much like you know Nurkic like really shielded Damien from like pure like injury (laughs) or you know getting hit like as he went in or whatever but he just felt uh, a lot more protective than Hassan Whiteside is right now Um, but I would say gosh um, more or less important than CJ well I gave CJ a 4.9 so I'm going to go with Nurk 4.99 or maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna make CJ four point five and Nurk four point nine. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, I can't decide between CJ and I. I think I have to just tie them because okay. I can't pick who would be more important. So four point seven Nurk. Okay, it's all super important. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> we don't really have too much that's not like important so far. Yeah. Um. So on a less I guess, happy note. How about when LaMarcus Aldridge decided to uh, take his talents to Texas? So I think it was important. And at the time, to me, it was extremely um, surprising Mm because I really thought that there was a really good chance that he could stay. Um, But in hindsight, I think... You know, just like we, like, this is going to sound weird, but just like, you know, like, they say, like, every seven years you get, like, a new skin, right? Like, you grow yeah. all of your stuff. All, like, teams turn over. Like, even really good teams, they don't all stick together. And stuff like that just happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can spend all this time, coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, what would it have been like if, what if they'd stayed together, blah, 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 blah. Um, but looking at it, I just... I'm, I'm going to rate it pretty low. I'm going to give it like a three because I think it like definitely like changed things a lot and it it changed the trajectory. But I don't know that it – I don't know that how much – I don't really know that it changed it that – I don't – do you know what I'm saying? Like – Yeah. I'm having a hard time explaining. What do you think? I think it was whether you want to rate it on a good to bad scale, I, I – Shoulda, woulda, coulda. But I think on its, on the fact of importance, it set up Damien to have his own team. Mm-hmm. In reality. And because of when it happened and how early it happened in his career, I think we got 
an extra spectacular Damian Lillard because of the heartbreak as a city we suffered. And Uh so I want to say that it's really important. I think it, it was like the first domino Mm -hmm. in this like massive domino effect that has gotten us to where we are now. And so I want to put it at like, I almost want to give it a five. Like it was a great, I mean, it blew up the the Mm -hmm. team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're, think you're right and I think we're just kind of looking at it kind of differently because I was yeah like important I would say that it was important but but in retrospect unsurprising yeah and that's why I rank it lower okay yeah I can I can understand that I think that that just happened I think that's just kind of where my rubric is okay (laughs) yeah um and you're looking at it as important and also um uh like critical to like you know important in terms of like it was a big decision but it was also critical to the development yeah. of of Damian Lord. Yeah. It was the chain reaction that it started. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um so yeah, so I guess where did we land on that one? What so did we decide I, on? I said 3 and now I feel guilty. Like I'm so I'm so bad at like rating and ranking things because I always want to change my mind and I always feel terrible and I'm like also like can easily be swayed. So like um so I said three. I'm going to go with four. Mm-hmm. Because like I I think okay, how about this maybe I'll reframe it like this. Had LaMarcus stayed, I think that there's a really good chance that Damian Lillard could have still developed into oh, yeah. the leader of the team. Like Yeah. I think I you still think would he would have been the leader of the team. I think, yeah. you know, if if you look at other situations where like a star was literally stuck behind someone and mm-hmm. couldn't flourish because they were like in the same yeah. position and couldn't get on the floor, um, then that might have been okay. I would have yeah. maybe given it a little bit more importance. Yeah, but I'll totally respect your five on that one too. Yeah. <laughs> Gave him the franchise. Um. So we also, in the decade, have lost a lot of important people in the Trailblazers franchise. Um, and I think one of the big ones for us was Jerome Kersey. Losing him and the devastation that that kind of was for an entire organization and a fan base and just basketball fans in general. Um, and what are your thoughts on that one? So, yeah, that was that was devastating. It was a surprise. It crossed multiple generations mm-hmm. um you know for me Jerome was why you know really important that was the team that I fell in love with and he was definitely one of the players um that I enjoyed the most um and I think it was kind of a, a moment when he died it was kind of a moment in the franchise where people like suddenly kind of looked up and were like oh my god we have to like appreciate who we are and it was probably right about then when they started like planning for the 50th anniversary and stuff but um you know I loved hearing all the stories about how important you know all the little stories about Jerome Kersey and I'll just always remember like Terry Porter talking about him at the memorial service and how many people came and he said you know Terry said he'd run through a wall for you and I was like oh my god that's exactly what I want somebody to say about me at my funeral um so I think 
it was important in terms of uh, the franchise, com- the fan base coming together over something not basketball related. Yeah, I think that was that was critical, and it wasn't yeah. like this. Like the the 50 year anniversary thing is fun, but it's also kind of like artificial and manufactured because it's like 50 is just like this random like number, yeah. like okay, woo. But this was something that like tugged at people's hearts. So yeah. I don't know how to rate it. Like I don't think you can rate it. I think okay, it was just so important. <laughs> I mean, he was so important. He was so important. Like, he was a 10. Yeah, absolutely. Out of five, so, Jerome Kersey was a 10. Yeah, and so I think. Um, on the similar note, uh, the team losing Paul Allen, I think, has an, a different kind of impact and a similar kind of impact in the same way as, you know, a beloved member of the community losing them. But also we, we take on that responsibility of seeing Jody take on the responsibility, but not really knowing if that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that it was interesting because like Jerome's, uh, death was so sudden and you know we knew that Paul Allen had been had been sick for a long time but still when the reality when it actually happened and seeing his chair empty with that rose in it and not really knowing what it meant for the like for the franchise because you know we always go to oh my god someone's going to sell the team Um you know, we go to that place where it's like the the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So like Jerome's passing kind of like brought us all together just, at, you know, in memory and in appreciation. Yeah. And I think Paul's did the same as well as kind of threw people into a little bit of like a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, and for the team, you know, the players too, because, mm-hmm. you know, he was such a regular yeah. uh person in their lives mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i don't think we can rate those either no I don't think we, can. <laughs> um, we need to end on a happy note i know well <laughs> it's, the next one's not happy um so the next one is uh talking about a uh, everyone's least favorite blazer season i would hope uh the 2011 season where we lost brandon roy greg Oden, and then lamarcus aldridge to heart surgery in one day Okay, so Cassidy, I was driving to Medford with your mom this that day. So uh for people who are listening, Cassidy's mom and I are friends through uh her mom uh throws robotics tournaments all around uh, Pacific Northwest Oregon. And so we were driving down to Medford that day to go hold a robotics tournament. And the news just kept coming like on the radio that was like we're, we're just listening to blazer information because we were so excited because the season was going to start because mm-hmm. it was the lockout season and it was like finally finally we had news that we could listen to and it was um it was terrible news that just kept happening the blazer survived it like i mean they never sur- they never survived the like what could have been but yeah, like they've moved to another place. Like they've they've they they moved on. They were able to yeah. move on at least, and it didn't take as long as it could have. I think thanks um, to Damian Lillard. What? <laughs> thanks to Damian Lillard. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you know that 
considering like how important those three were and that like the whole franchise was supposed to be built on them and then they just all vanished um yeah i feel like it could have taken even longer than it did so at least they i don't know can we say we bounced back i don't know i don't even know anymore this has been such a weird month (laughs) i don't know i can't i can't say that i bounced back since I woke up from anesthesia recently and still complained about it. So, um, <laughs> you're still complaining about Kevin Durant. <laughs> I was in anesthesia. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a concussion, so I don't remember that day and that's probably for the best. Oh God. <laughs> that's probably just for the best. I'm going with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think we should just move on. Okay. Yeah. We, we Like, we got way too much of downer. But, yeah. so, you know, we just reflected on, you know, the last century, or the, not the last century, the last, um, the last decade. We reflected on the last year, commenting on, you know, what we thought about some stuff. But, you know, the other thing about 2020, the thing that's really exciting it's an Olympic year, and you and I are both big fans of the Olympics. I so we are going to, as we get closer to the Olympics, we are going to uh, do a little bit of research and find out some fun facts about basketball at the Olympics. And we have no long how long this is going to last because it turns out there are a ton of really interesting stories to talk about when it comes to basketball at the Olympics. So for the for our first podcast of 2020, why don't you tell us uh, what you learned about for basketball at the Olympics? Okay. So I have more recently become kind of obsessed with this topic because of the Antiques Roadshow. Thanks, Antiques Roadshow. Okay. But um, uh, I'm taking it farther back than what I thought was the first Olympics that basketball was at. I thought that was 1936, but kind of doing more research, I found that in 1904, the Olympics in St. Louis that was held at the World's Fair was actually – a year where basketball was a demonstration. Uh, so was, there were a few other sports that were demonstrated that year. I think it was American football, baseball, and uh, hurling were all demonstration sports at that Olympics. And I think there's going to be five at the upcoming Olympics this year. But for so those... 1904, demo- and that was after, it was invented in 1891. Yeah. So quick turnaround. Like, Dang. 13 years... Clearly the greatest sport ever invented was, you know, brought to the Olympics as a kind of an exhibition. Um, Because of the way the political climate was in 1904, plus the travel expenses, which were about five to seven hundred dollars to travel from Europe to the United States, um, which is now the equivalent of about 14 to 20 thousand dollars. It's a lot of money to get to the games. Um, so a lot of the athletes were from America and Canada in the 1904 Olympics. And it was also the first Olympics held outside of Europe. So it was kind of a big deal for the starting to move, uh, the Olympics around and having other countries get the chance to experience it. So also our first Olympics, we had a gold, silver, and bronze medal. Oh. Um, that didn't exist until 1904. And then the, uh, Olympic, uh, International Olympic Committee actually decided to retroactively give gold, silver, and bronze medals to the two previous Olympics. So 1896 and 1900 both got those gold, silver, and bronze placements, but they didn't actually receive those medals because it wasn't a thing then. Hmm. Um, so 
All of this fascination led me down the path of the basketball exhibition, and there were actually four exhibitions held within basketball, and it included the AAU League college teams, high school teams, and elementary teams. So they all played at the Olympics? Yeah, basically. So there were four different based tournaments that were held, and they were awarded medals. Um, and it's funny because the college level only had three teams playing. So Hiram College, Latter-day Saints, now BYU, and Wheaton College were all playing. They came in gold, silver, and bronze uh, because there were three spots, yeah. and that's how that was going. There were Everyone gets a trophy. But uh, they go down in uh, – their claim to fame for Hiram is they're the only college in the country with an Olympic gold medal. So they like won it a, as a college team. As a college team. So the college team is actually the winner of that. And there are some really cool letters that you can find on the Hiram uh, College website of letters that were written talking about going to the events. And it, there's one that it's like, I think that Americans could be great at this sport if they oh. just gave it a try. And it's like... It basically predicts, they're like, I think that we could have all levels of people playing this sport all throughout the world. And, like, they, as long as travel expenses, and part of the letter that cracked me up was, was like, as long as it doesn't distract too much from their academics. And I was like, that's funny. Um, So it was an interesting event, for sure, for the Olympics. But it didn't actually become a sport in the Olympics until 32 years later, in 1936, which is a whole nother story. That is extra fascinating, that Olympic year. But I have kind of become fascinated with this whole first demonstration of the Olympics, and I am dying to find more information about elementary-level Olympic basketball, because (laughs) how old were they? What was happening? I need to know. So So I, my husband and I went to the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, several years ago and they have a whole Olympic, um, uh, display and they have like the banner, I think, from the, um, you know, from the exhibition year. I I'm so fascinated and stuck on the fact that it was only 13 years after it was invented that it was already a sport mm-hmm. and I wonder those those letters sound really interesting because I wonder how mm-hmm. I mean you got to think a lot of people who saw it probably were seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. and like I wonder what they thought yeah um a huge focus in the letters were that the idea of that this could be America's sport huh in a lot of ways was like we think Americans would be great at the sport it provides them a sport for the winter indoors this that and it was just an interesting look because it was like I don't know it was just it's fascinating and the political climate of those years was fascinating and so I think there's so much going on in those letters but then at the heart of it they're just like this is an awesome game play it yeah (laughs) which who can who can fault them for that I mean it is we're, one of the things that we should look at as we do all these is thinking about like how the rules have changed because obviously you know there's been some key rules that have been changing so like I don't know what the scores were for those games but we're going to find out like in 1936 what some of the scores for those games were and they were let's just say it wasn't exactly the Wizards against the Houston Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny the scores in 1904 were higher than 1936. Oh, they were. Okay. Yeah. It appears that they kind of were. There were games that were, there were, I mean, 
There's a, it says 97 to 8. <laughs> okay. Is that real? 56 to 6, 77 to 6. I mean, the Buffalo German team was really good. Uh-huh. Um, this is the AAU scores. Okay. The scores of the college ones are 23 to 20, 40 to 35, 25 to 18. But it's funny because the scores of the 1936 game are not that, but there's a lot that goes into play there. Yeah. Um, I- yeah. I think it's interesting as an exhibition sport that they had it on on so many levels, and that was I wonder if that's something that they do when something as an mm-hmm. exhibition is they show people at different levels playing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They to... did it again in 1924, so I know that there were different levels shown in 1924 as well through the different levels of basketball, and then I think there was another sport that was also showcased where there were elementary levels. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which sport. Very interesting. Well, I can't wait to learn more about uh, the Olympics as we go through this year. And hopefully everybody also collect uh, will pick up Olympic fever along with us. Yes. Because <laughs> we need something to hang on to right now while the Blazers get themselves sorted out. <laughs> Plus, I love the Summer Olympics because it happens after NBA season. So, like, that horrible sportsless time in my life besides I mean not a sportsless time let's be real I watched as many WNBA games as Mm -hmm. I can get my hands on but my lack of NBA games Mm -hmm. my lack of other college sport games leads me to just needing sports and when it is an Olympic year I would I wish I could just put in for like three weeks of vacation and be like "Uh, this is what I'm doing with my life I'm either going to the Olympics or I'm just watching it It'll be interesting to see, uh, like we talked about earlier, who does end up going for uh, for Team USA. That's going to be a whole other thing. So we have tons more to cover in the future. But I think let's go ahead and wrap it up for tonight. Um, uh, I will remind people uh, what you said at the top, that uh, they can follow the uh, Women's Hoops and Talks podcast in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. And probably people are noticing that we are on video because I'm going to try to uh, get regularly start putting us up on video. So this is the first time we've ever recorded with video. So <laughs> it may not work and you may just get audio. But <laughs> we, we shall see. We are aiming to be able to uh, have this up uh, for video as well. So uh, let's see. You can find the Blazer Blazers Edge at Blazers Edge on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can find the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. Oh, we have a Women's Hoops and Talks meetup coming up on Sunday, January 5th. The Blazers are going to be taking on the Miami Heat. Myers Leonard, we shall see. How that goes. <laughs> oh my. It's gonna be, it's so weird seeing him in those baby blue uniforms. Those uniforms are awesome. I'm gonna do a preview for that game. Um, I'm gonna record it on Friday and I can't wait to hear, cause I really wanna say, what did people in Miami think the first time Myers Leonard showed up at practice with a hammer? <laughs> Like, not all players do that. That's, like, an odd thing. Like, I just wonder what everybody I forget it's not normal. I know. We've been conditioned to think certain things are normal, but I don't think that they are. (laughs) Anyway, Cassidy, you want to take us out of here? Uh, Yeah, you can find me at Cassidy again on Twitter. And don't forget to email us, hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. Until then, go Blazers!